Welcome everybody, those on YouTube, Facebook. Thank you for being with us today. Praise team, what a blessing you are. Thank you so much. What a great ministry we have in worship. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, nice to have you with us today. If you brought your Bibles, I repeat, if you brought your Bibles, uh, thank you for those three yeses. Lucy, I don't see your Bible. Uh-huh. Oh you, oh, you got your notebook. Okay, good enough. We are in Genesis chapter 16 this morning, one of the greatest stories in the entire Word of God. Genesis chapter 16, we'll begin at verse number 4. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand, do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by the fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou? And whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return. Underscore that word, please. Return. Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for the multitude. We'll stop right there. Praise the name of the Lord. This morning, brothers and sisters, as we begin in our text, we are introduced to a woman who is in absolute despair. She's in anguish. She's been kicked out of her house. She's been tossed aside. She's hungry, she's thirsty, her lips are cracked open, swollen from a lack of moisture. She's lost. She's been casted out, she's been abandoned, and in her lowest moment, God finds her. God found her. Listen, brothers and sisters, when you've got destiny, when you have purpose in your life, you may not have any money. 
You may have holes in your shoes, you may have just two pairs of pants, nowhere to go. But it's not what is on you that matters. It is what's inside of you that matters. Listen, my friends, she had no idea. Now watch this. This is extremely important. This is for somebody. She had no idea that being kicked out of her home, being thrown into the desert, left to die, would be the greatest day of her life. She had no idea that all the pain that she was going through at that moment as she's left alone would be the greatest moment of her life. God found her. God had a plan for her that she wasn't even aware of. God has plans for some of you that you're not even aware of. But the Bible declares very clearly that I have a plan for you and he's speaking to all of us if you're a child of God my brother and my sister I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for you God has destiny for you God has purpose for you and Hagar wasn't sure that she was worth anything as she was thrown out left to die she was lost, but God found her. And I love that scripture that's so encouraging to me. For the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth, seeking, searching, showing himself strong to those who are committed to him. He's seeking. He's searching. He is a relentless God. God's on the hunt for you. God loves you so much, he'll leave the 99 just to find you. Just that one person, that one outcast, that one person that's been kicked out. She might have been invisible to everyone else, but not to God. Lost into the desert, but not to God. God has found her and has given her water. Imagine that. The Bible says, now we just read it, but it seems so obscure. She's in the desert by a fountain. Last time I checked, there's no fountains in deserts. God did something for her. God gave her water just as he gave the Israelites water from a rock. Oh, my friend, I've got something here. What is God saying? God's saying, I'm water to those who are thirsty. God is saying, I'm healing to those who are sick. I'm deliverance to those who are bound. I'm life to those who are dead. Oh, my friend, God is bigger than your desert. He's bigger than your pain. God is bigger than your rejection. He's bigger than your rejection because he's going to take your rejection. Stay with me. He's going to take your rejection and bring a new direction. From that rejection, that no, God's going to turn it around and bring you to a place 
and bring you into your destiny. Not every no is a bad thing. Not every time you're kicked out of something is a bad thing. That's God's way of saying something new is about to take place. I'm going to turn your mourning into dancing. And that applies to all of us here. And so Hagar, she's running away from Sarah. She's been thrown out. She's running away from her pain. She's running away from her circumstances. Ah, my friends, but you can't run away from your problems, can you? You can't do that. They will always catch up to you. That's what we try to do. We try to run away from our problems. Now watch this. Are you ready for life lesson number one? I want you to write this down if you can. You cannot cure what you will not confront. Oh, I hope that hasn't gone over anybody's head. You cannot cure what you cannot confront. What are you running from? Are you running from some fear? Are you running from some problem? Are you running from some obstacle? Are you running from what people are saying? What are you running for? Well, I'll tell you, if you're running from something, you will always be running from that thing until you confront it. And for some of you, that's the hardest thing to do is to confront your fears. You'll do anything else but confront your fears. But you will never heal if you continue to hide. You will never heal if you continue to run. You see, it doesn't matter what people say about you or how intimidated you might be. We must face the Sarahs in our lives. We must face the Abrahams in our lives. And Abraham's a good man. He's a friend of God. Sarah was chosen by God. Sometimes the people that hurt us, sometimes the people that kick us, are the ones that are very close to God. Yeah, sometimes the people in the church are the ones we're running from. Hagar has no idea what's about to take place in her life. Now friends, if God found her, then she had to be important for God to search her out. She had to be. She was so important that God sent an angel to speak to her, an angel to come to her and ask her what you're doing. What are you doing here, Hagar? He sent an angel. And we talk a lot about that because I believe God has angels that charge over us. Some of the people you meet, some of the situations you're in, you, you think you're just talking to somebody. You don't know the person that you're talking to when you find yourself in the desert. She's so important, God sends an angel to her to search her out. The angel says, Hagar, what are you doing here? I've got to pause for a second because I've got to ask somebody on Facebook, what are you doing here? I've got to ask somebody on YouTube, maybe somebody here in Locust, what are you doing in the desert? What are you running from? Who are you running from? 
what are you doing here in this dry place? Yes, yes, yes. Knowing what you know, having experienced what you've experienced, what are you doing in this desert? What or who are you running from? Why are you running? This is the question that Paul asked the Galatians. Though the Galatians, you started so well. You're walking in the Spirit, walking in the presence of God, doing the things of God, and now you are walking in the flesh. What is, who has cut you off from running this race? Who hath bewitched you? What has happened to you that has brought you to this desert? You started so well. How did you get to this dry, arid place? How did you get to this place of giving up your prayer life? How did you get to this place of losing your fire and your passion? How did you get to the place that you're blaming God for your pain? How did you get to this place that you've lost focus and now you want to hide and you want to run away and maybe like David, oh, that I had wings like a dove, that I might fly away and be at rest. Oh, just give me wings, Lord, that I might just fly away. Get away from this and be, and be at rest. How did you get to this place? What aileth thee, Hagar? What's going on in verse number 8? I'm running from my mistress, Sarah says. I, I, I have no choice. She, she kicked me out and the angel said something that Sarah was not anticipating at all. The angel says to her, I've got a word from God, Sarah. Go back. What? She just kicked me out. Abraham wants nothing to do with me. He just used me like a dirty rag. And now you want me to go back to that mess? She doesn't want me. He doesn't want me. I feel used and abused. Is there anybody who's ever felt used before? Unappreciated. Taken for granted. You want me to go back to that place? Back to where I'm running from? Mr. Angel, I don't know who you are, but I'll tell you something. I'm scared. I, I can't go back. They don't want my son. They don't want me. I'm not even a Hebrew. can't tell me to go back. Life lesson number two. You can't spend the rest of your life running from everything that is uncomfortable. Oh, I tell you, we got to go deeper this morning. You can't keep running the rest of your life because, because you don't like that situation. You, 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 you can't run the rest of your life because you, you don't get along with your boss. You, you, you can't get along with your boss. I've seen too many people 
that have been married who've told me, Pastor, I, 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 I just can't get along with her anymore. I've seen marriage vows dissolve because it got a little uncomfortable and they weren't willing to work it out. So, so I want to run from this because I can find someone better. And so you run to find someone better. And Mr. Better comes with his shining knight with the sword and the white horse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It sweeps you off your feet. Sweet nothings in your ears. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just romantic. And oh, he's so... And you find out that he's worse than the other person you <laughs> You cannot keep running from things that are uncomfortable. If you keep running away from things that are uncomfortable, you will never mature in anything. You will never grow in anything. My friends, I want to talk to someone who's been spending a lot of time running. Is there anybody out there on YouTube land that's been running and running? Everything that is uncomfortable, everything that's not easy. We always want things to be easy. We just have this in our DNA. You know, if I can get there quicker and faster, I, I want it. I, 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 don't want to, I don't want it to be too difficult. But my friends, if, you, if, if, if things come too easy, then you're going to lose it very easily. Too easy. We don't want to sweat. We don't want to work on things. We just want to get it now. As soon as the job gets hard, I quit. I know people like that. As soon as your situation gets tough, I'm gone. As soon as the marriage is a little tough, goodbye. Yes, your business. We just what's happened to that that endurance that what's happened to trying to work things out? What has happened to try to take some time to see things come through? You've been running from things most of your life. Where are you going? That's why some of you can't find a church, Mr. Facebook and Mr. YouTube. That's why some of you can't find a church. Can't find a church because there's always something wrong with the church. Well, you know, I, I like the church, but you know what? That, that person who sang last week, I, I'm not saying... You know, I, 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 it wasn't bad, but you know, the pastor, he once said, I'm, I'm not sure whether... Always trying to find a hair in the pie, trying to find a perfect this. And uh, let me tell you something. The minute you step into the church, sir, the church automatically becomes, if there's such a word, unperfect. Imperfect. There's no perfect anything. There's no perfect wife. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect job. And you can't run away from things that are uncomfortable because it's not the way you want it to be all the time.
That's the problem with our society today. We don't like to work on things. We give up too easily. But I've got a word for somebody. You need to stop running. That's right. You've gone far enough. There's nothing in that desert for you, my friend. Nothing at all. Now watch this. If you keep running, you will never be the person that God wants you to be. Because the thing that you're running from may be the very thing that God wants you to confront. The very thing you're running from might be the person or thing that God wants you to work something out. That problem you can't fix, and you've heard me say this over and over again, that problem that you can't fix, that you're getting upset with, that you want to run from, that, that, that situation that you can't fix, that, that, that you, that you want to fix but you can't fix and it's getting the best of you and you, you, you want to get away from that thing that you can't fix. Well, you see, you're going to hear it again. The thing that you cannot fix that you're running from may be the very thing that God is using to fix you. I know it's uncomfortable. Every Gethsemane is uncomfortable. Jesus sweat blood from his eyebrows and from the, his head. The, the, the stress of that moment. But it was so needful he had to go through it. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, friends, if you keep running, you will never discover your purpose. You will never discover who you really are. You won't discover your destiny. You won't discover what God really wants you to do. Now watch this. This is so important. In Jeremiah chapter 2, now watch this now. This is a powerful verse 22 there's something that perhaps you've not seen before because I haven't seen it before. Look what the Bible says. Return ye backsliding children and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee for thou art the Lord our God. Notice, I will heal your backslidings. Backslidings, there's a term, there are two meanings for backsliding. The first meaning is running from. The second is turning from. Running from, turning from. But it's interesting because it says, I'm going to heal your backsliding. As God would heal your sickness, your blindness, your leprosy. God says, I will heal it. I will heal it. I will heal you from it. I will heal you from running that condition of backsliding. I will heal you from the almost syndrome. I didn't know, I didn't know that backsliding was a disease. It's a spiritual disease. I will heal you from this tendency, this propensity to want to run away from things. This propensity to hide under a rock. This propensity to turn around and go the other direction. 
God says, I will heal you from it, as if he would heal you from certain disease. Healing you from, from almost getting there. The almost syndrome. I almost finished school. I almost finished my assignment. I almost, I almost finished. But I couldn't go through it. I almost got my degree. But something happened. It reminds me of John chapter 5 when Jesus is, is at, in, in the pool of Bethesda and he meets that man who's been on a mat for 38 years. And Jesus asks him, do you want to get healed? He says, yes, I do, I do. But, but every time I, 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 I approach the waters, every time somebody gets before me. God says, I want to heal from that, from that almost that somebody seems to always get before you. Always an excuse of some sort. Always something why you couldn't get there. Always, I could have, I should have, I almost did. But it was uncomfortable for me, so I didn't go. It was too uncomfortable. And so I'm running away from the things that make me uncomfortable. I've got to run away from the things that I can't handle. I want to run away from the things that have been disturbing me. God says, I will heal your backsliding. Now backsliding has another term. Now watch this now. It also means sitting down. The concept comes from a mule. When a mule gets stubborn, the mule sits down and its back gets up like this and that's why it's called backsliding it comes from the mule so when a mule stubborn sits down that back is up and that's why we get the term backsliding interesting isn't it backsliding listen my friends anytime you sit down on your purpose Anytime you sit down on your destiny and your calling, anytime you sit down what you believe God wants you to do, you're backsliding. Backsliding. You're sitting in the desert that's going to destroy you. But you see, it's not necessarily the desert that's killing you. It's your sitting down that's going to kill you. It's that backslidden, lethargic state, that state of mediocrity. And so the angel says, you need to stop running, Hagar, and go back to Sarah. Go back to the one that's kicked you out. I know it's going to be difficult for you, Hagar. I know it isn't easy. I know it's not comfortable. You were there for a while. I know that you feel used. But, but, but you got to do this because it's going to be the best for you. I know you don't understand it. I know it doesn't make sense to you. I know it, there's no way you can imagine that any good can come out of this. But I want you to return to the ones that cast you out. Now that's a not an easy thing to do. That's not easy at all. For most of us, we would say, there's no way. I can't go back there. I'm afraid. 
What are they going to do to me? I, I, I can't confront, I can't, I can't speak with them. But you see, friends, what's interesting about this whole story is instead of being afraid, we don't see Hagar being afraid. In fact, the very opposite takes place. It seems like she gets a little happy. She's happy in the desert. Oh, I see so many sermons here. She's happy in the desert. The point is, listen, listen, don't, you don't have to wait till you get a big house. You don't have to wait till you get a promotion. You don't have to wait till God says, uh, uh, the Lord is going to bless you. You get some prophetic word, how God's going to lift you. You don't have to wait for something miraculous, something glorious to happen to you to get happy. You can be blessed. You can be happy. You can be joyous right in the middle of the desert. Oh, just stay with me because we're going to go a little further. You don't have to get happy when you get a raise. You can get happy right in the midst of your pain, like Job when he said that God has given me songs in the night. You can still sing in the night. Most people sing in the day. But, but Job's, I can sing in the night. Hagar is about to sing. Listen, the best praise is the praise that comes from sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice. It's, it's, the, it's what David said in Psalm 119, verse 107. Watch this. 119. This is so powerful. I just saw that the other day. If you have it for me. Psalm 119. Look at this. Verse 107 and 108. Look what it says. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word, except I beseech thee free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me according to thy word, except I beseech thee my free will offerings. Accept the sacrifice of my praise. I'm being afflicted, Lord, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm in pain, Lord, but I'm going to sacrifice to you anyway. Lord, I'm going through hell, but I'm going to rejoice in my desert. I'm going through pain, but I'm going to give you an offering anyway. You see, friends, there's no greater praise than the praise that comes from a desert. There's no greater hallelujah than when your hallelujah comes in a desert. There's no greater praise than when you can praise them when you've been kicked out. Because anybody can praise them when the sun is shining. Desert praises. <laughs> oh, God loves the praise that comes from the desert. And I want to challenge you, my friends, to praise Him. To keep praising Him. Don't praise Him only in the good times. Anybody can praise Him in the good times. Anybody can rejoice in the good times. Praise Him in the desert. I dare you to praise Him in the middle of your problem. I dare you to praise Him like Paul, who worshipped Him and praised Him in the middle of his prison. He's praising him. He's shackled up in chains. And it's midnight and he's giving glory to God. And all of a sudden, 
the chains fall off. Can you praise him when you're in jail? Oh, friends, listen to me. It's easy to praise God when you get a raise, but the next time you find yourself in chains, remember Paul, remember Hagar. Praise him in the desert. Praise him when the chains are so tight because I'll tell you, something powerful is about to take place. Something great is about to take place. Yes, stand right in the middle of that desert, in the middle of your giant, in the middle of Goliath coming against you. And look at Goliath face to face. Yeah, I know you're small compared to Goliath. I know Goliath seems so tall and so massive. The desert is so vast. And I find myself alone in the Sahara Desert, the biggest desert in this entire world. I feel so small in this desert. I feel so small when I face Goliath, this monstrosity of a man. But can I dare to praise him when Goliath mocks me? Can I dare to praise him when Goliath wants to hurt me? Can you praise him with that giant that seems so tall, that giant that seems so big? My brothers and sisters, I've got a word for you. When you start praising God, when Goliath is facing you, Goliath becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. You're able to praise Goliath, that big monstrosity of a man, because you serve a bigger God. You see, there's no man that is bigger. There's no problem that's bigger than God. There's no desert that's bigger than God. And if you look at that giant face to face and you see him and you're able to understand that no giant is bigger than the God that's inside of you, the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. There's nothing greater, nothing bigger. And if you can look at that giant and say, if God be with me, then you can never be against me can't do that can you praise him in the hospital bed can, can, can you praise him when when your money's gone can can you praise him at the gravesite can you praise him only when the good news has come to you truly friends there's no greater praise than a desert praise. Let me ask you, how do you think you made it anyway? How do you think you survived it? Do you think you survived it? you think you made it because you're better than other people? you think you made it because you're smarter? I know a lot of smart people. They haven't made it. I know a lot of people with a lot of degrees. They haven't made it. You think you made it because you're so clever? How do you think Moses, a baby in an ark, made it when his mother threw him, basically put him in the ark and just pushed him into the Nile River? Do you know how dangerous the Nile River is? The Nile River have the greatest and the largest crocodiles. They've got the largest freshwater fish called the Nile perch. They've got serpent snakes. It's, it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous place, back, especially back then. How do you think Moses was able to navigate through all of these obstacles? You think he was able to navigate because he, he, he knows how to swim? God made a way for 
my friend, God is the one that makes a way. Don't ever think somehow I've got the ability and the ingenuity to... Listen, God has given you that and there's a reason for it. But it's not because of that that you are what you are. Yes, every good gift comes from above. But it's not your gifts. It's God's favor. It's God's blessing. It's God's direction. Don't ever forget that when you find yourself in a desert. She did not know that this desert experience, this, this, this rejection would be the greatest moment of her life. And I don't know who this for, but, but, but the rejection you're going through and the desert is that you are in right now, my friend, is the greatest place that you can find yourself because I'm telling you, something great is about to take place in your life. why I love Psalm 124. I love it. It says, if it hadn't been for the Lord who was on my side, if it hadn't been for the Lord, what about verse 2? Verse 2, if it had, again, if it hadn't been for the Lord when men rose up against me, you ever have people rise up against you? You've got no chance. What do you do if it hadn't been for the Lord? There are times that God does things in your life, my friends, and you're not even aware of it. There are times that God does things that the invisible God is working behind that you have no clue what's going on in the natural realm. The celestial God working in this terrestrial realm, but you don't see His invisible hand working behind the scenes. Then they, had, they would have swallowed us up quick. We, we would have been destroyed if it wasn't for the hand of God. David said the same thing in Psalm 18. You found yourself drowning. I was drowning, but he stretched his hand and he rescued me. Oh, my friends, you can trust the God who's able to walk on water. As great as David was, do you think David made it because he's such a great king? To tell you the truth, he was a little nasty. He had a lot of problems. If it wasn't for the Lord... Where would I be today? You see, my friends, watch this now, watch this now. See, the devil wants you to get bitter in your desert. The devil wants you to get angry in your desert. The devil wants you to start blaming other people in your desert. Well, you know, look what Abraham did. And Abraham goes to church. Look what he did. And Sarah, she's, she's part of the, the pastor's wife. She, she's the pastor's wife. Look what she... And he wants to blame. When you're in the desert... Many times you get self-absorbed. Woe is me. And your problems now are elevated above everything else. 
When we get in the desert, if we're not careful, we become very self-centered in our pain. And we start focusing on all the things we're going through that nobody else can experience or is going through what I'm going through. Be careful because that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Get bitter, upset, blame. Get into the flesh. Oh, the flesh is very active if you're not careful when you're in the desert. It's very active. See, the devil will try to push you so down. But my friends, I got a word. He can't keep God from lifting you up. I can tell you that. Hagar got a blessing in the desert and began to praise the Lord. She wasn't just praising him because she read Psalm 150. Psalm 150 didn't exist at that time. She didn't, she didn't begin to praise him because she read the book, The Power of Praise. There was no book called The Power of Praise. She didn't begin to praise him because her Sunday school teacher told her that's what you need to do. No, she, no, she didn't do that. You see, friends, many times when you're in your desert, that's when you discover your purpose. That's when you discover who you really are. No, friends, she was praising him because the Bible says in verse 13, God sees me. She got a revelation in the desert that God really sees her. She got a revelation in, God, in, in verse 13 that God has not abandoned her. She got a revelation she never had before. She had the revelation in the desert that God sees her. You see, that can change everything. Do you believe that God sees you? Do you believe that God knows where you are? God sees me. El Roi. God sees me. He sees me. Friends, this is for someone who's never been seen before. Yes, for someone who's been overlooked before. Who's someone who, who's been ignored before. I got, I got a word. God sees you. Yes, yes, yes He sees you. He see, and some of you don't even realize that. Some of you think that, that nobody cares for you. That God has abandoned you. That you're in this desert and, and the devil will tell you, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never go anywhere. You'll never be anything. You're just going to stay in this desert. You'll always be in this desert. But God, God sees you. He sees me. And for somebody who hasn't been given a chance, for somebody who's been forgotten, this is a very important word. God sees me. It reminds me of Luke 13. That woman who had scoliosis for 18 years, her back was bent. She was an outcast from society, but she kept going to the synagogue Saturday after Saturday after Saturday for years. And the Bible says at that moment, on that, that particular Saturday that she happened, to be. Verse 12, the Bible said, Jesus saw her, which implies 
that no one else did. Jesus saw her. He sees her. All those years, Saturday after Saturday, Saturday after Saturday at the synagogue, but this particular Saturday, God had something special for her. My friend, she could have given up, but she kept coming. She could have stopped, but she kept coming. Do you think she knew that that day she was going to meet Jesus? Do you think Hagar understood that behind all the pain she was going through with her family, that that day was going to be the great day, the greatest day, as she's being kicked out in the desert, that she was going to experience something and hear something that will transform her for the rest of her life? No, my friends. She's in the desert, she hasn't eaten, and yet she's praising God. You see, friends, nothing happened yet at all. Nothing took place. Nothing's been given to her. She's just praising Him. She hasn't heard the word yet. She hasn't received the blessing yet. She's just praising God because He sees her. She's just praising God because He sees her. He sees her pain. That's why it says in Psalm 107, Oh, that men would praise Him for who He is. Oh, that men would... We don't have to praise God because He's doing something in my life. I don't have to praise God because He did this great miracle. I just want to praise God because of who He is. I want to praise God because He sees me. I want to praise God because He is who He is. If you're going to just praise God for what He does for you, <laughs> that won't last. The Bible says He is mindful of you. What is man that He is mindful of you? The Son of Man that He wants to visit you. My friend, God sees you. He's mindful of you. He wants to visit you. He wants to have relationship with you. And that's why Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I'm standing at the door. That's your heart. And I'm knocking. I'm knocking at the door of your heart. I'm knocking. I'm not. If any man hears my voice, you got to hear his voice. You got to hear his voice. If you hear his voice, the second thing you got to do, it opens the door. I will come into him and I will sup. Three things and I will sup. I will have relationship with you. Intimacy. Something that Hagar did not have. She felt used, abandoned. God sees her, implies that he loves her, that he cares for her. He wants to bless her, strengthen her. He's mindful of you and he's mindful of me. God wants you to know he, he sees you in your pain, my friend. God wants you to know that he's seen those tears and though tears may endure for a night that joy is coming in the morning yes Hagar Sarah might not see you Abraham might not see you but 
but God sees you. My friends, listen, listen. If Abraham didn't kick Hagar out in this desert, she would have never known, never known the God that sees her. She would have never heard what she heard, this blessing that came to her. She would have never had all of this take place at that moment if it wasn't for the fact that she was going through a desert. What's my point? Next time you find yourself in the desert, next time you find your place in a place that's not comfortable, next time you find yourself in a place that's, that's discouraging, a place that is lonely, a place where you feel abandoned, a place where you feel rejected, a place that doesn't make sense to you because why would Abraham do this? Why would things that just don't make Next time you find yourself in that desert, I want you to remember this story, that if she wasn't kicked out of the desert, she would have never had that visitation from the angel. And she would have never said, El Roi, God who sees me. What I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, that uncomfortable, painful experiencing you might be going through might be the greatest moment of your life. Don't treat it like that desert is the worst enemy you have. That desert might be the greatest friend you will ever experience because it's going to bring you somewhere you could have never gone before. And so my friend, please, Write it down. Put, put it in your prayer language. Engrave it upon your hearts. Declare it. Shout it out. Shout it out. Shout it out that He is your El Roy. Shout it out that the, the Lord, the God who sees me. The God who sees me. The God, if God sees you, He knows everything about you. He knows what you're going through. He's not abandoned you. He's your El Roy, the one who sees me. No, I will not be a carcass in this desert. I, I, I will not die of thirst in this desert. I will not get critical in this desert. I will not blame you in this desert. I will not blame him in this desert. I will not, I will not listen to the voice of the devil that tells me that's as far as you'll ever be in the desert. That's as far as you'll ever go. In the, I'm not going to listen to that. No, 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 no. I'm not listening to I'm not going to lose my mind in this desert. No, no, no. I'm not going to die in this barren land because I've come to understand that God sees me, that there's a reason for this. Uh, maybe I can understand what Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for, maybe I can understand the life of Ruth a little bit better. I can understand all the pain that Ruth went through, that yes, even her mother-in-law leaving Jerusalem because there was a famine, goes to Moab, and she has her sons marry Moabites, yeah, and there's another famine in Moab.
Moab and all kinds of famines are taking place. She loses her son. Everybody's dying all around her. And eventually ends up taking Ruth back to Jerusalem. And there's a problem there because she's a Moabitess. And she's going to be rejected by the Hebrews. And so Naomi and Ruth went through one painful experience after another painful experience after another painful experience after another painful experience. And finally she ends up at the fields of Boaz. Boaz just so happened she ends up in the fields of Boaz. Nothing just happens and her destiny is now before her. She ends up marrying Boaz and Ruth becomes the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. Can you praise him in the desert? Can you trust him? When you've lost a loved one. When the desert heat is so hot. And there's no shelter. I believe that God has something very special for those who are in the desert this morning. Friends, don't let the enemy tell you to count how many times you failed, how many times you dropped the ball. Yeah, yeah. Where you have to ask yourself, where is God in all of this? No, no, no. But can you count how many times God sustained you? Can you please reverse it and begin to count how many times God protected you? Can you somehow get a vision of the fact how God showed mercy upon you? Oh, if it hasn't been for the Lord, if God didn't do don't let the enemy keep you back in your past. Don't let the enemy tell you how that's how you'll always be. Look what you used to do. Don't let the enemy tell you where you used to live and always have you focus on your past residence. Let me tell you something. My past is just a reference point. I no longer live there. It's not my residence anymore. God has done something special. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus has dropped the charges. I'm free! God has something for me. God has something special for me. All because he's my El Roy, the one who sees me. He sees me. I must be important to him. If he sees me, I must have some kind of value. If he sees me, there must be something significant in me. If he sees me, he must have invested something in me. And when I look at the scriptures, I see that he has. Because he calls me. A royal priest. I've got royal blood flowing through my... Me? Me? I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Who, me? I'm a joint heir with him. I'm his workmanship created unto good works. I'm his masterpiece, the Greek word. I must be important if he sees me. Not because of what I did. Not because of what, how clever I am, how smart I am, how powerful. No, no, no. It's got nothing to do with that. He just chose me. That's what the, I, I, I don't know why. 
But the Bible says he chose me before the foundation of the earth. He adopted me into his kingdom. I must be special. He's invested so much in me. No reason why. It's not because I'm so smart, so tall, good looking. Just God just so happened to choose me. Before I was born, before my mother and father met, God chose me. I didn't earn this. There's nothing I did to earn the favor of God. I wasn't even alive. What could God just chose me because he loves me. He's invested so much. And when he died on the cross, he had me on his mind. I must be important. And so the angel gives her a word of encouragement in verse number 10. The Bible says, and God will multiply thy seed exceedingly. It shall be without number. What a blessing. She gets blessed. She hears the word the blessing of the Lord, the angel has come and given her a word. Something so powerful has happened to her through this horrible experience. She's heard the voice of God. Through this horrible experience of being rejected, she's seen the face of God. Through this horrible experience of denial and, 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 and her, her, her self-esteem completely shattered, she has an encounter with God. An encounter with God. Have you ever thought, my friend, that that desert experience can bring you into a glorious encounter with God? She hears the word of the Lord and she obeys the voice of God to go back. Something happened. A 180 turnaround. Oh, I don't know, but I feel that someone is going to take a 180 very, very soon. Yes, somebody on Facebook or maybe somebody here in this church is about to have a 180 turn. God is about to turn some things around. Yeah, from what you've been running from. He's going to turn it around from the fears that you have. Yeah, yeah, He's going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. He's going to restore all those years of doubt and disbelief. You've been listening to the wrong advice wrong people telling you things and you've been in a desert and you've been confused and perplexed but God is going to do something powerful you're going to see something powerful only because of who he is he allowed it for a reason yes my friends there is a name a name where you find healing there is a name where you find victory yes there's a name where you find forgiveness there is a name where you find deliverance there is a name where you find hope, a name where you can even see who God is. And his name is Jesus El Roy, the God who sees. For the Bible says in Revelation, his eyes are like a flame of fire. Oh, it's Jesus who's my El Roy. It's Jesus who sees. And he gives a word to John in Revelation to write it down and bring it to the churches and tell them, I see, I know your works, he says. He sees. 
And this angel, could it be Jesus, the theophany, the one who sees? Oh, very possible. So let me close this morning. What do we learn? There's so many life lessons. I believe for someone, it's time to let some things go. It's time to turn around. You can't walk with God holding hands with unforgiveness. Oh, you can't walk with God holding hands with bitterness and fear. I can't go back to Sarah. I'm too scared. You, you can't hold hand with God and fear at the same time. You must look deep within your own heart, my friend. Look at His Word, not as a sword. Don't look at His Word as a sword this morning. Look at His Word as a mirror. Look at His Word as a mirror. What is God saying to me? What is God saying to me? Let the mirror of God's work speak to me. What is God? Let it be like a mirror. What did Jesus say? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He said, if you come to worship me, I'll paraphrase, and you're in church, and you're singing, I sing a hallelujah, or you give Him praise, and, and then all of a sudden, as you're about to give your gift before the Lord, the sacrifice of praise, and in those days they would give a tangible gift. If you would come and give a gift before the Lord, and all of a sudden, God brings to memory somebody you have ought with. You got a problem with somebody, you have something, and, and, and God says, if you've got aught with somebody, and you've come to worship me, but lower your hands, don't say a word, and go back. Hagar, go back to Sarah. Go back and make it right. Go back to Sarah, Hagar. Go back to Abraham and try to work it out. Jesus said, if you're worshiping me. I want you to go back to that person you have on with. And make it right. And then you can come back and worship. Go back. I'm going to give you two D's. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. Some of you are running from things and you're not even aware what you're running from. You're so busy blaming others you don't realize what the problem is. You must define what your problem is. Define what you're running from. Define what is eating you up. Define what that issue is. Define what that impediment is. Define what it is. Because if you can't define it, you won't recognize it, and you'll never be able to deal with it. You cannot cure what you will not confront. And it takes, sometimes it's a risk for some of us.
It takes faith to step out and do something like that. Because some of us have not been able to confront some of these issues that we've been dealing with for so long because of our fears and our insecurities. But I promise you, friends, that if you don't somehow deal with them, you will continue to run in the desert towards that desert. But I have a word for somebody. If you do, and you're willing to define it, if you're willing to deal with it, then I believe God will put you back together right in front of the people that have tried to break you. God will bring you back together right in front of the people that have tried to hurt you. God will do something very special. And remember, it never comes easy. All spiritual growth involves some kind of spiritual sweat. Anytime you grow, there is pain. Anytime there's victory, you have to go through something to get to that place. That's the problem with this easy believism theology. It's so wrong. There's no such thing as easy believing. Let me tell you something. The Christian walk is the most difficult walk on the face of this earth. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You can't follow Jesus when the flesh is alive. It's impossible. And as we die to ourselves, my friends, this will give us the capacity to be able to follow him and experience his joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Please, Stop running from your problems. Will you face them? If you got an issue with someone, can you please go to that person and deal with it? I know it's hard. But I'm telling you, if you obey the voice of God, something great is going to happen in your life. Let's all stand together. going to worship the Lord a song or two. Pastor Julia will come after that. I want every head bowed just for a moment. You can't identify it, you can't defeat it. There is no cure unless you confront. If there's anybody in this room that's running from something, 
Anybody on Facebook? Running from your marriage, you're running from that relationship, you're running from your responsibility. Oh, there's a big one. Running away from your responsibility. You're running away from your destiny. But pastor, you don't know what I've had to go through. You know, whenever God is asking us to do something, it is never easy. If it's easy, chances are it doesn't come from God. <laughs> and then I want to address those that can't seem to let go of certain things. You can't go back because you like to hold on to things. You can't seem to let them go. See, Hagar could have let her fears control her and she would have never gone back. But that day she decided to let go of that fear. The fear of what will he think of me? The fear of what will they say of me if I... The fear of rejection. The fear, the fear, the fear. And then I want to address the person who's in the desert, who's been kicked out. Yeah, you haven't been received very well. Abraham and Sarah have not been kind to you. You find yourself in the desert and you don't know why. You don't really know what you've done. you're tempted to get really upset and bitter my friend if that's you this morning and you're in the desert and you don't fully understand why you're in this place I, I if you would look at that desert as something that God wants you to experience that there's reason why you're there there's reason why Abraham and Sarah kicked you. There's reason why that happened at work. There's a reason why you had a problem with your friend. There's a reason why you find yourself in this mess. You find yourself in the middle of a desert. There's, if you would just stop looking at Sarah and stop looking at Abraham and stop trying to justify, just, just embrace that desert. Begin to praise them right in the desert. to give him a hallelujah right in that desert God said nothing you haven't heard anything you haven't seen anything you're just praising if you're in the desert I challenge you in the authority of Jesus Christ and by his word would you begin to praise him for no reason whatsoever just because he sees you 
no reason no, not because he's given you so much or just because of who he just because you know that God will not abandon you just gonna praise praise him for who he is challenge you to give him a desert praise then I'm gonna pray after we sing Everything inside of me. Everything, Lord. Raise a hallelujah. I will wash, and I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah. In the middle of, in the middle of the mystery. Fight for me.
us. Abraham has been cruel. Sarah has hurt. Hurt that person, whoever he or she may be. They've even questioned you because of it. Because they, they go to church. pray blessing, a special blessing over those in the desert today. They find themselves isolated and abandoned, confused. I ask that you would embrace them today in a very special way. They will find their destiny and purpose, Lord, that you will speak to them. That they will get a vision of who you are in this time of pain. I pray for those, Lord, that are having a hard time letting go of certain things. Jesus tells us to put the gift down, go make it right, and then come back to worship me. I pray you give strength for some of us, Lord, to go back and make it right. Go back to Abraham and make it right. Go back to Sarah and make it right to let go of our fears our pride for some of us who've been running a long time in the desert just running running from our responsibility of what we know to need to do there's people Lord in this room that know they need to do something but they're running from it they're running they're backslidden in their heart, they're sitting down on their purpose. I pray for all who are sitting down on what you're calling us to do. Give us strength, Lord. Heal our backsliding. Heal our hearts today, Lord. From that spirit of mediocrity. That spirit of complacency. And Lord, I pray that Logos will receive a revelation. I pray for Logos, Lord, that, that we would be a church that sees you for who you really are. Father, our prayer is that we would get a, a better glimpse of who you are, Lord, as we approach 2024. Give us a vision, Lord. A fresh vision, Lord, of who you are. We want to see you, Lord. And if it takes this desert, then so be it. want to see you Lord for your glory in Jesus Amen give God the praise my brother